0: To spread throughout the earth abroad the honors of his name. You and I here in worship each week, we proclaim one audacious belief, and it is this. That the idea of God is no longer simply an idea. But that in the person of Jesus Christ, that idea, that word, became flesh and dwells among us. That means right now, God is actively at work reconciling the world back to God's own heart. And here's the mystery of that thing I just said, that mystery I just proclaimed is this. You and I are invited to participate with God in the reconciling of the world. You and I are called to join God in what God is up to in the lives of God's people all around the planet. So when we gather for worship we we make that proclamation and we're kind of strengthened in soul because of it but that means we're also stretched we're we're challenged we're called because in worship we are reminded of our responsibility that our lives no longer belong to ourselves but to God That means that what we say what we do where we go what we speak what we what we think it all is to be lived yielded to the one who poured out his life for us So in just a moment, we're about to do something. We're about to do in worship, an act of worship that we do every week. But I want us to make sure we understand why we do it. Especially if you're new to JCBC or perhaps new to the faith. Maybe new to to even giving religion a shot at all. I want you to know what we're about to do. We're about to, to give an offering. You're about to see plates pass you by, and people are going to put things in it. Some people this week have already given their offering online through their automatic bank deductions and and so forth, and that's something we encourage, strongly encourage our folks to do. But you're about to see plates pass by because this is an opportunity for us to literally, physically take part in what God is up to in the world. As Christians, we believe that we give our offering a percentage, a percentage of our, our our income, in order to say to God, look, we recognize it's all from you. Every single bit of it's from you. So we give back this dedicated, planned for percentage so that you see that we're serious when we say we want to join you in the reconciling of the world. So that's why we say a prayer, and that's what we're going to do right now, but know that what we're doing in this moment is worship. Let's bow together in a word of prayer. God, we, we do hope that you hear us when we say, this offering is more than just ritual it's more than just going through the motions we want you to know that this is an act of worship that we are attempting to express to you our love for you and our faith in you and this is one tangible way that we do it we want you to receive we pray that you will we pray that you would receive what we give you now that we may in some humble way participate in your loving the world back to your own heart Take it now, Lord, and bless what we give in the name of Jesus Christ who gave us life. Amen. I want to encourage you to turn with me, please, in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. And we will be in verse 12 of Exodus 20. And as you're turning here in the sanctuary, I invite the rest of our church family who is worshiping in the Family Life Center to turn in your Bibles to Exodus 20. Uh, verse 12, as well as those tuning in online, our extended family who may be away traveling still this summer, uh, grateful that you would join us for this ongoing study. So here we are, before we read our text, so here we are in the middle of our ongoing exploration of the book of Exodus. We are now looking at each major section in the book of Exodus, the story of of our freedom, a liberation from tyranny, a liberation from the enslaved mind of Pharaoh and Egypt. And, and so far, what we have said is the first 15 chapters of Exodus is all about getting out of Egypt. It's all about being set free and being liberated from the enslaved world of Egypt. At chapters 16, 17, and 18 are all about wandering in the wilderness. And and, and it it chronicles a freed people asking themselves some hard questions, do we really wanna be free? Because now that we've been set free, it means a disciplined life following in a new way of life after this one who has set us free. Chapter 19 was a a stopping point in which God called them into covenant. and chapters 20 through 23, is the establishing of a covenant between God and God's new people, Israel. And that's where we find ourselves today, right in the middle of chapter 20, because in that section of 20, 21, 22, 23, that covenant-making is where we find the Ten Commandments. And thus far, we've studied uh, kind of the anatomy of the Ten Commandments, and what we've recognized about the Ten Commandments is that the first three commandments are really all about God, about uh, there should be no other gods before me, there can be no graven images, because because no one can imagine the greatness of God's own character, right? And, and the third one, don't take the name of the Lord in your vein. And that means if you are called by my name, don't live in a way that's contrary to my character, right? So the first three of the, of the Ten Commandments we said are all about how to love God. But we said the last six, five through ten, are all about how to love people, how to love your neighbor. And last week we examined how commandment number four acts as a kind of linchpin between the first three and the last six. That allows there to be in Sabbath worship the opportunity for us to come in here and be provoked in the heart and in the mind and in the soul that we may be able to imagine in Sabbath worship, the fourth commandment, that we might imagine what it looks like to love God and to love people. So today we find ourselves in the fifth commandment. And we find it in verse 12. Would you read with me now? Honor your father and your mother so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Today, as we drill down into this one verse, You know there are sermons in which I preach 30 verses at a time. So we're given equal time here. So now we have one verse today, just one. And as we drill down into this one verse to imagine what it really looks like to honor our father and our mother, I want us to have three guideposts to guide us along, three stopping points, words to help you if you're taking notes to help us navigate our journey into the truthfulness of this verse. Today, I want us to talk about stone tablets, Hallmark cards, and putting the fun back in dysfunctional. Stone tablets, Hallmark cards, and putting the fun back in dysfunctional. Let's pray together. Lord, Lord, we are grateful for the opportunity to open your word, and we are humbled by the possibility that we might be, might be strengthened by it. In this moment, we pray that you would free our minds and hearts from whatever burdens are weighing us down, that for just a while we may be able to consider the truth of your, of your holy word, and be transformed by it. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts simply be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. We pray that you would now bless the words that proceed from my mouth so that what we hear is more than just the words of one man, but the word of life. Amen. Stone tablet so in preparing for this sermon i ran across a quote that i thought was quite interesting about the condition of you know today's young people and their relationship with adults and and i just wanted to share it with you i thought it might be a good jumping off point this is what i came across uh youth today have luxury bad manners contempt for authority no respect for older people and talk nonsense when they should work oh i heard some amens Watch out, watch out. They don't stand up anymore when adults enter the room. They contradict their parents. They talk too much in company, and they tyrannize their elders. All right? You want to you take a guess who said that? It's Socrates, 400 years before the birth of Christ. All right, so just to give us a little pause, let's pump the brakes on ourselves. This generational gap, is not a new thing there has been always this intrinsic tension between one generation and the next and that is why etched in tablets of stone one of the ten words from god about how to be a people of god is an instruction a command to honor your father and your mother to honor your father and your mother etched in tablets of stone. Now, here's what's interesting about tablets of stone. So rabbis for generations have all agreed that traditionally speaking, the tradition is to think of the Ten Commandments as having come to the people on two tablets. That's, that's kind of agreed upon, two tablets. And, and what's not agreed upon, however, the controversy among the rabbis has always been Which commandments are on which tablet? In other words, is it five on the first tablet and five on the second? Or is it four on the first and six on the second? In other words, the four that speak about God, the first three plus Sabbath, you know, and the the commandments that speak about loving neighbors on the second tablet. I mean, how is it divided? Now, one school of thought says that's exactly how it's divided. One school of rabbinic thought says that the first tablet has four commandments. The first three about loving God and the Sabbath. And the second tablet is all about loving your neighbor. And if that's the case, the implication is this. That the command to honor father and mother is the first one on the tablet about how to love Neighbors And why? Because you can't learn how to love your neighbor until you learn how to honor mother and father. In other words, loving people begins at home. Loving and learning to love people in this world, uh, our neighbors, as well as Jesus extended it later to include enemies. It begins with first, on the first commandment of the second tablet, learning to honor father and mother. Now, that's one school of thought. The other school of thought is to say, no, they come five and five. And if they come five and five, that means the command to honor father and mother comes fifth and is included on the tablet used to describe the love of God as if loving God is linked to loving and honoring father and mother. So the Talmud, the Jewish Talmud, is kind of a running commentary on the Hebrew Scriptures. Uh, Centuries and centuries of developing commentary about the Scriptures, and the Talmud has this to say about this fifth commandment. When a person conducts himself by honoring his mother and father, God is heard to say, It's as though I were living with them and they honored me. Isn't that good? Hey, so in the 13th century, there was a rabbi. His name was Rabbi Moses de Leon. And you know what he said about this fifth commandment? Rabbi Moses de Leon said this, Father and mother should be honored as God is honored because all three have been partners in thy creation. I love that. In fact, I'm going to just kind of add my own commentary to that. The truth is, regardless of what you think about father and mother, regardless of the condition of your relationship with mother or father, I just just want to ride the coattails of Rabbi Moses de Leon and say that God knew something about the DNA of your father and the DNA of your mother. And allowed that conception to happen so that the world would receive the singularly unique DNA of you. You are unique in this world and you are not an accident. I love what Rick Warren says about it. He says, now there may be accidental parents but there are no accidental children. That there are no accidental children in the mind of God because God knows that when your father and your mother, with all their uniqueness and distinctiveness and idiosyncrasies and all that that makes them who they are, made you, God was up to something. God was up to something. That's why in my favorite psalm of the entire Psalter, Psalm 139, we hear this verse, for it was you who formed My inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God partnered with your mother and partnered with your father to create you. And this is not part of the sermon. I just want to give you a little free, you know, like you're not even paying for this, right? This is like free. It might be, that you showed up on this campus and maybe the only thing you need to hear today is not anything I have in my notes, but rather this, you are not an accident. God was up to something when you were conceived and God is still up to something in you today. That's why it was etched in tablets of stone. Find a way to learn how to honor father and mother. What does that look like well that moves us from the first part of our sermon the first movement in which we recognize tablets of stone stone tablets it moves us to hallmark cards i want to begin this section of our time of study together with a confession is that okay the confession is this i can't stand hallmark cards i can't stand them listen if that offends you in the best pastoral way possible, I want you to know, uh, tough. <laughs> because the thing is, I just, I, I, now, if you have gotten me a Hallmark card, I just want you to know, you know what I've done? I've gone right to the thing that you wrote to me. Because when it comes to writing and words, I'm all about that. One of my love languages, one of my primary love languages is, is words. I know that it would surprise you to think that I'm a words guy, Right? And, and, and yes, yeah, so the words are important, but hallmark, and it's not just hallmark, it's just per, bought for, paid for cards don't do it for me, right? And you know, I'm just glad she's not here at church today, my mother-in-law is the worst at this. My mother-in-law, I love her, I'd step in front of a train for her, I love her, but she is the worst. She hungers for these, you know, these sappy you know, touchy-feely cards that just kind of ooze and drip with sentimentality. The front of them have like flowers on them and the inside, the verse is like an iambic pentameter, you know. You know, I thought of you when I saw the comet. I read this card and want to vomit. You know, there's like this... I'm, I'm, I mean, I could write for Hallmark and it might be a little bit more interesting, but there's... I know I've got baggage, but here's the deal. You can't put in a card... What's, what's really in your shared experience? And maybe it was backed up because of an experience I had in a grocery store. Uh, several years ago, I was in another city, and, I, and it was Mother's Day, and I had finished preaching, and I went to the grocery store to the card aisle on Mother's Day with all the other dads in the town. And we were picking through, and the, the, the gift, honey, the gift was already purchased, right? But the, the card had not been... The card had not been made. So we're there and all the other dads, and and, no kidding, true story, this woman from our church is running into the grocery store to pick up something and and she makes a joke about all the dads being in there and and thumbing through the picked over aisles of, of cards and she said, there's no card in here for me. And I said, oh, come on. She said, no, really. She said, nobody can possibly understand the complexity of my relationship with my mother and God knows No $3 card can capture it. Yeah? Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. The truth is the fifth commandment comes with some complexities. Complexities. Honor thy father and thy mother. Yes. But it's a little complex. It's like the three mothers who were gathering and bragging about their sons. The first mother said, you know, my son is the best because my son put me on a cruise around the world. The second mother said, that's nothing. My son threw a party and catered it and flew in every family member from uh, all across the country to take part for, for me. And the third mother said, that's nothing. My son spends $500 a week to speak to a therapist, and he talks about what all we, Me. Talks about me every time. So. There are some complexities when it comes to honoring father and mother. What do I mean by that? I mean this. When we come to this text, this one verse, for some on campus today and some tuning in, you know this is an easy one. This is easy because there are some for whom this absolutely makes sense. And you're like, yeah, of course I would honor father and mother because you are able to point to a childhood in which you were raised in an environment of of unconditional love and you saw sacrifices being made and you were protected and you were loved and encouraged and affirmed. And, And you look at your life today and you say, you know what, I'm here because of some sacrifices made by her and by him. And so thanks be to God. So you hear the fifth commandment and you're like, well, of course, But I just want to speak respectfully of of the the, the truth. We're a diverse church with diverse experiences. And the the reality is, I guarantee you, there are those among us here today in worship for whom that's not the story of the childhood. And there are some for whom Mother's Day and Father's Day and, and those special days are not quite the same experience. And I don't know, and maybe there's a number of reasons why. Maybe there was abuse. Or maybe there was neglect or abandonment. Maybe something was said. Or maybe something that should have been said was not said. Or something was done that shouldn't have been done or vice versa. All of that to say when you read this text, you need somebody to look you in the face and say, somebody understands this is more complex than it seems, this command to honor your father and your mother. But with everything in my heart, I want you to know you still can. I want you to know that you can still live in obedience to the fifth commandment, regardless of your experience, past, present, or future with your your parents or those who raised you up. And it all boils down to the context in which this was written to understanding the background of this commandment, because the the words there in the text say honor. Honor your father and mother. The word in Hebrew for honor is kabed kabed is a word that means uh, to weigh heavy or to ascribe weight to, to be heavy or to give weight to. In other words, to ascribe significance and importance, to take something seriously. Now, later in Exodus, a word is given that is the opposite of kebed, and the word is, it means to take lightly. So when we read here, uh, honor father and mother, it's not simply saying obey father and mother, submit to father and mother, or even like father and mother. It's saying, ascribe to your father and mother the appropriate weightiness and gravity and seriousness of their worth their value their dignity their esteem in the eyes of god and why because god is speaking here to a people who if they looked up and looked around them their neighboring cultures were not treating their elderly that way as fathers and mothers aged in the cultures around and even in egypt as they aged When a father and mother was no longer able to produce or contribute to the common good, when they lost the capacity to maybe even care for themselves, they were thrown away, abandoned, sometimes left out in the wilderness, rejected. And God is saying, no more. You have been set free from a life of domination and tyranny in Egypt, and I'm establishing in you a new people, a new reality, a new way of life. And part of that way of life is to recognize that in the new kingdom God is establishing, there are no throwaways, none. There are no throwaways in the eyes of God ever. So he speaks clearly, honor your father and mother. In other words, give the appropriate gravity, the weightiness, the seriousness of their dignity and their worth in the eyes of God, because regardless, of who you are or where you've been, regardless of of whether you are a successful parent or a miserable failure, regardless of whether you can still produce and contribute to the common good or you have barely enough energy to take care of yourself, there are no throwaways with God. And I want you to feel how deep this goes. It goes so deep as to include, watch this, wait for it, It even includes mothers. It would be assumed in a paternalistic or a patristic culture, a male-dominated culture, it would be assumed that the fathers, when they age, would still be honored. But God doesn't stop with fathers. He includes mothers because in God's mind, there is no throwaway. There are none. Because in God's mind, those who are excluded are included. God includes the excluded in this life. Always. In fact, that is why the stories about Jesus' life are so transforming. The best stories about Jesus in the Gospel are about that truth. It's an eternal truth about God. God includes the excluded. That's why Christ always surrounded Himself with men and women. Children and adults, young and old, Jews and Gentiles, those who were religious and those who were not religious at all. They may have been spiritual but not religious. He includes them all because in his economy and in his kingdom, there are no throwaways. So what's the point? When Hallmark doesn't do it for you, Be of good cheer because this command to honor father and mother is not about touchy-feely. It's not about feel-good. It's not about hallmark. It's about learning to ascribe to your father and your mother the appropriate level of weight and gravity so that despite their failures and despite their successes, you are able to see in them the dignity that God put in them. in order to obey the fifth commandment fifth commandment now it's true there are tablets of stone this is so important it gets engraved in stone tablets and it's true hallmark doesn't do it but that's okay because it's about something deeper than what hallmark could do but that leads us to a question how how do we do it then that leads us to the, the last part of the sermon how by putting the fun back in dysfunctional by putting the fun back in dysfunctional i want to give you four practical tips about how you can honor the fifth commandment honor your father and mother regardless of where you've been what your story is regardless of how highly or lowly you have esteemed your parents thus far and despite even those places those scars that we bear that are so tender that they still hurt when you poke on them, you can still honor. And I want to give you four ways that you can begin doing it right now. Not having to drudge up or dig up a a whole lifetime of regret, but rather starting right now. Four tips. Four tips to equip. You might want to write it down, thumb it in. Four tips to equip when it comes to honoring father and mother. And here is... Tip to equip, number one. Listen to them. Listen to them. You may say, I've been listening my whole life. No, 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 listen. Well, why? Because they still have something to say. They still have, no matter what your age or stage in life is, no matter how old or young you are, if your parents are still living, they still have something to say. Listen to them. Now, in preparing for this sermon, I came across what I want to say is my absolute favorite video on the Internet right now. It is my absolute, it's the, it wins the Internet today. It, it, it's probably not even new. I bet I, like, I'm just kind of slow to it, and I found it. And I want you to know that when we are young, and by young I mean when we are born, we think that our parents are like infallible. When you are a baby and a toddler, you you think that mom and dad, what they say, if mom and dad said it, well that's darn near close to having God say it. That's the closest thing we've got. So, So when you're young, everything that they say, you hear it and you listen to it and you believe it. In fact just to illustrate this point so i came across this video and maybe you've seen it of these toddlers they're two twin girls and one boy and they're fighting they're arguing about whether or not it's raining outside or sprinkling outside there's a huge difference between sprinkling and raining and the little boy's mother is, is the one who said no no is, is sprinkling. So he's advocating because he listened to his mother and believes that well the twin girls are like, but no no my mother said it's raining. And so they enter into this debate, but I want you to feel the level of belief as they have listened and just absolutely delight in this video. Take a look.
1: It's oh, it's raining. No. I'm it it? not no, it's raining. No, it's wriggling. No, it's raining. My mom told me it was wriggling. It was raining. No, you Ma- it, it's no. My mom told me it was wriggling, not raining. Ma- my mom said it is raining. No, my mom told me it was wriggling. Because my mom say, it's raining. mom is saying, no it's not. not. Yes it yes. is. No, you're pretty. And you're not real, I'm real. What? Stop. I'm it was just raining. Because, it's raining. because it's raining. No it's not, It's just rain. It's just raining. Ow. It's, <laughs> rain. it's, it's really crazy. raining. It's, it's raining heart I I get hungry.
0: my heart. you poked my heart. <laughs> oh women. <laughs> just kidding just kidding so my favorite part in the argument my favorite part of the argument was he thought he would try the tactic of diversion he's like no sprinkling no it's raining no sprinkling no it's raining. you're pretty did you catch that you're pretty and, and then he went with the you're not real i'm real which sounds a lot like the arguments i have with my wife i'm, I'm like she's winning and so that you're pretty no okay listen to the passion with which they were advocating because they listened to their mother and their mother told them what was going on so listen there was a time when whatever mother or father said was golden it was truth it was infallible i just want you to know that my children have gotten out of that stage gotten out of that stage there are days i promise you when i feel like i am the dumbest person my children know because i will say something i'm the dumbest person they know because i will say something and they will have this look on their face as if to say dad would you catch up just catch up because they're there good dad that's a good comment dad that's great the only solace i take is in the wisdom spoken by mark twain who said When I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much he had learned in seven years. (laughs) It comes around, see, but here's here's my point. My point is, I don't care how old you are, where you are, what stage or age you happen to find yourself, listen to your parents. They have something to say. They have something you don't have which is a bundled, gathered collection of human experiences that outnumbers yours. The reason the two toddlers were so so passionate is because they knew the mother had something they didn't have. The mother had some intel they weren't privy to, had some experiences that they weren't privy to. They'd been out in the world. The mother had seen the world. The truth is, your parents still have something to say because they have a unique vantage point in doing this life, and you have not made it to that point yet. I'm amazed, and I shouldn't be, but from time to time, I'm like, you know, you, you would think, you know, Laura and I have been around the world a bit. We've been to some places. We've gone to some school. had a lot of school, and yet it, it never ceases to amaze me. My mother or my father, who didn't have the same privileges and didn't have the same opportunities as I, They'll say something, and I'm I'm like, okay, yeah. That's, I hadn't, because their experience, Laura's father, Laura's father, my father-in-law, didn't finish high, high school, didn't have a high school diploma, joined the Navy, lived life, worked his fingers to his bones for his family, and yet he has a certain gathered experience, in the Bible we call that wisdom from below is what we call it, experienced life and from time to time from the observations he's made in his human encounters with people he will say something and I will be yes yes one of the ways you can honor father and mother is simply listen you may be surprised listen the second tip to equip when it comes to honoring father and mother is simply this forgive them This is a little more difficult, and I want to speak respectfully to those for whom this can be more difficult. Forgive them, because they are not perfect and neither are you. There is no perfect parent. Every parent is flawed. Here's the one universal truth about me. I know I will screw up my boys somehow. I've said from the time they were born, look, I hope to bless them. I hope to teach them some things. I hope to encourage and guide them along the way. But I guarantee you, I will screw them up somehow. It will be my boys who will spend $500 a week on therapy. They'll be like, my dad used to tell stories about me in church, and I can't, you know. And so, yeah, I mean, so we're not, none are, are perfect. And some in our imperfections have a, a way of leaving a pretty big path of destruction in our wake. And your key to freedom is to forgive them. And I don't know what they did, and I don't know what that scar is that that you have that when you you press on it, it still hurts, it's so fresh, it still hurts. And maybe they did things they shouldn't have done. And maybe they said things they shouldn't have said, or or maybe vice versa. They, they, They avoided doing the things that you needed or needed to hear. But forgiving them doesn't say that all that's okay. Forgiving them doesn't say, I am perfectly fine with everything that you did to harm, harm me or hurt me. Forgiveness does not okay the behavior. Forgiveness sets you free from being enslaved to the memory of it. See, when, when we don't forgive, and this applies to parents or to anyone who has harmed us, it's like we wear this, this big, heavy chain around our neck. And, and we wear it around everywhere we go this chain that bears down on us and and we think we think that as long as we don't forgive we'll keep them under this weight but they don't feel the same weight the same way you do and the only person who's enslaved is you in this but heads up because here's what you and I tend to do. We carry this chain of regret or hurt or unforgiveness around. And we say to ourselves things like this. You know what? My parents never did this. They, they said these things. They, were mis- they mistreated me. They abused me. They neglected me. So with my children, I'm not. In fact, the pendulum's going to swing. And I'm going to be so involved in your life i'm so up in your business i'm going to helicopter my way all through your childhood and i'm going to be so close to your friends they'd rather hang out with me than with you that's what i so i'm gonna and what happens without knowing it is now your children begin to say "Whoa, okay okay give me some space and what you've done without even attempting to do it is you've taken this mantle of chain and weight and burden and placed it upon them now One of the ways you can honor your parents is to forgive them because in forgiving them, you set not only them free and not only you free, but whoever is watching you free. One way to, to do that is to forgive. And you say, well, how am I supposed to do that given what I went through? Listen, I want to respect you by saying nobody has a simple formula for how to get through forgiveness because for many of us, it's a long, lifelong journey. But I will tell you the most powerful tip is this. I heard long ago, let's say it's your father who harmed you. Let's just say it's your father. You begin to pray. As you pray, you begin to imagine your father as a five-year-old little boy before he did the things he did before he even knew uh, or harmed or before you you think of your father as a five-year-old boy the one who had dreams and hopes and an imagination and you think about his condition and in your prayer you hold up the one who has harmed you but the five-year-old version of that one you hold him up to christ and you say christ I can't see anything but the, the injury that he has caused me. Show me what he looked like at five years old. Show me how to see him through your eyes so that I can forgive him. And in forgiving him, set him and me and others free. So a tip to equip is not just listen to them. Forgive them. Tip to equip number three. It sounds a little strange, but I'm going I'm to put it this way. Mirror them. I heard that Tim Keller once said, "Every parent wants to somehow know that they've passed something good on to their kids." I mean, every one of us, we want to, to be able to look at our kids and say, "Oh, they got that from me." And maybe that you're a parent and you're not able to do that maybe. Maybe you have regrets and you're not able to do that. Or maybe you're a kid and, and you're not able to recognize the thing that you receive from them as anything worth celebrating. Maybe all you're like, yes, I received some things and it's not something I celebrate. Maybe I received addiction. And maybe I received um, uh, untrusting relationships. Or maybe I received paranoia and fear. Maybe I received those things. But I'm, I'm here to tell you that yes, you may have. And all those can be redeemed by the grace of God, but you also receive some other stuff. You also receive some other stuff. And just by the way, as a preacher, just to make sure to, to, to let my mother and father off the hook so you don't think I'm talking about my mother and father here. I want you to know there's something I want you to know about my mother. You know, when you watch me preach and, and I kind of can't stand still, You know, and I'm, and I'm telling these stories and they're full of, full of color, I hope, and, and animation, you know I can't preach like this. You know I can't preach in my hands and my pockets because I believe that when you tell a story and when you proclaim good news, it's not simply something that you're telling people. It's something that you and they ought to experience in that moment, right? I want you to know that I, none of this quirkiness none of this this animation none of this drama was learned in seminary i got it from my mother have you heard my mother tell a story wow she is a better storyteller than i could ever be and so there are moments when i'm like you know what i got much of my vocational understanding my vocation from simply listening and watching her talk about life And I think a parent needs to hold up a mirror and say, I got this from you, and thanks. I have a friend in ministry who, uh, he had a terrible relationship with his father. In fact, he was abandoned when he was very, very young. He was so angry his whole childhood, he just hated him. He hated him. These are his words. He grew up, he got married, he had a a child, and, and yet when he had his firstborn son... He knew that he was expecting a boy, the wife gave birth to a boy, but did not expect the fact that when he was born, he was born uh, with a head full of red hair. No one in his family, except his father, has red hair. Nobody except his father, and with all of the pain and justifiable. That he carried through his life suddenly began to change because he's like, he has this baby and he's beautiful, and now his heart is melting. And he's like, You know, my life has now shifted. The equator itself is now off kilter because it's my son and he's, I love him, but this red hair has come from him. And he said, I began to change what I thought about him. Because part of him is in this thing of great beauty that I have. And he realized that he was linked between this thing of beauty and this thing of pain. And it began to shift how he thought of his own father. And he can point to this and say, you did something. When we hold a mirror up to our parents... And say, look, of all the things we've been through, and I know we've been through a lot, but this one thing that I have, I just want you to know, I think I got that from you, and I'm grateful that will change their world. Tip to equip number four. Not only are we called to listen. Not only if we're trying to honor our father and mother, are we are we called to forgive them? Not only are we called to mirror and show them wherever it is that they have given something worth pointing to. The last one is this. Remember them. Now, that sounds rather simple, but it's not. And yes, on the surface, I mean remember them, like remember to call them, uh, remember to stop by and visit them, remember um, to return their text messages, because if you don't, they'll call you to make sure that you got their text message, you know. Make sure that you you remember them in those ways, but when I say remember, I mean the word remember like I, I use it when I lead us in the Lord's Supper here at Johns Creek. When I say, hey, the Lord says as often as you eat this, you remember me. Because we live in a dismembering world. And when we leave this place, the body of Christ is being separated in a thousand different ways. And when we gather for worship, despite all of our differences culturally, uh, racially, politically, despite all our differences, when we worship, we're gathered here to remember the body, right? Right? So that's how I speak of the Lord's Supper. And I mean that when I say remember your father and mother. Because they live in a dismembering world just like you and just like me. And the older we get, we begin to experience the dismemberment of the human journey. Sometimes the eyesight begins to dim. The hearing begins to go. The energy begins to drop and you can't do the things or or be in the places or you can't produce what you used to produce. And along the way, you begin to experience loss of people who you love. Loved ones and family and friends with whom you did life, and they're the ones that used to laugh at your jokes, and now nobody's laughing because they don't think it's funny. It's a dismembering world. What will you do to remember your father and mother when life threatens to dismember them? to dismember them from their dignity and their esteem and their value and their worth. There's a story told by the Brothers Grimm about a grandfather, a father, and a son. And the grandfather lives with the family and he's growing old and his eyesight is dimming and his hearing is going away and his mobility is is beginning to to dwindle and he's there at at, at supper and now he, he can barely feed himself. And it disturbs the son and the daughter-in-law because sometimes as he's eating, he'll spill some things. It'll come right back out, and he can't care for himself. So they put him at a table by himself behind the furnace. And they gave him an earthenware bowl out of which to eat. And there he ate each evening with tears in his eyes and all alone. And he began at at one supper... He began to shake and tremor. He lost his capacity to hold, and, and he dropped the bowl, and it broke, and it, they, were, they were just fed up with it. So they, they got him this wooden bowl, this wooden bowl that looked really, it was more like a, like a trough, that they put him there behind the trough in the corner so that if he dropped something, it would fall and catch. Well, they did this for several weeks. Time went on, and one day at, after supper, the, the, the father and the, and the wife, the husband and wife, see the, the five-year-old boy, on the floor, just playing with some sticks, some wooden blocks. He's building something. And he says to the little boy, what are you, what are you doing? What are you building? The father asks. And the little boy, the grandson, says, oh, I'm, I'm making a trough so that when I get old, you and mom will have a place to eat. <laughs> and something shifted in the heart of the husband and wife, and they brought him back to the table and spent the better part part of his life, feeding him and caring for him, recognizing this is how it's supposed to work. What will you do to remember your father and mother when life dismembers them? Now, that's going to look different from family to family to family. For some of you, it means that, that he or she moves in and you do life together under the same roof. For others, it may mean and require another way it may mean that this facility with these gifted staff are able to care for them in ways that you could never care for them and so the way that you provide for them or protect them or care for them in their years in which they are being dismembered by all the things they used to do it shifts from family to family to family it reminds me of a psalm psalm 17 or 117 rather children are a heritage from the lord offspring are a reward from him like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth blessed is the one whose quiver is full of them in other words having lots of children back in the day was the only social security system there was because it was assumed that when life dismembers father and mother from their dignity the children rise up to remember them so what do you do today if, if, if anything that i've been saying resonates anywhere or maybe even disturbs a part of where you are in the journey then maybe this is your prayer maybe this is my prayer we, maybe we say together, Lord, I recognize you're calling us to honor father and mother. And for some of us, it's, it's quite easy. And yes, got it, done, check. But Lord, maybe there's somebody on this campus for him. You, you need to pray something like this. Lord, I want to. And I realize you've etched this thing in stone and I realize that the hallmark world is not my world but you're asking me to do something deeper than that. You're asking me to ascribe to them the weight of dignity. Show me how to listen to them and how to forgive them. Show me how to mirror something that that, that I could point to that's worth celebrating. Show me how to remember them because I need your help. God, we stop right now just to pray those things. We recognize that we are called to care for one another. We realize that for those for whom there there is no one around, this is why you put the church upon the earth. This is why your own brother James said, what is pure religion? Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for widows and orphans in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Show us, Lord, how to not be stained by the patterns of this world, but rather embrace, to embrace your way of life, which includes honoring father and mother well. We pray these things in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.